Welcome to the Gill Seekers Podcast. Each week we'll bring you tips and techniques to land more rainbow trout here in BC's lakes and a few real tales from our weekend fishing trips. I'm Brent Borthistle. And I'm Brent Fukumoto. So grab a beer, a cup of Tim's, and let's bend those rods. Welcome to another episode of the Gill Seekers Podcast. This week, we have Todd Hooper from Westside Stores on to talk to you guys about fishing bucktails on Shishwap Lake. So, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and here we go with the interview. We're happy to have you on. This is awesome. It's kind of been a few weeks in the making we've been wanting to get you on the pod so happy about that yeah. and it's kind of cool too because this is um you're working for west side stores out of salmon arm and that's sort of the store that got us both into fishing so it's pretty cool to kind of go back home i guess yeah you know it is pretty cool it's uh it's neat i've been there almost he's going on 11 years and it's pretty cool to see all you i guess young guys coming up right and still young guys this, to this day coming up and and doing awesome. All right, so um, why don't Todd, you just kind of give us a quick intro to who you are and uh, where you where uh, where you work and um, where you kind of start or how'd you get started into fishing? Todd Hooper's my name, and I've been uh, fishing the Shushwap area for as long as I can remember. Um, pre- I'm pretty lucky, you know. We do a cabin on the Shushwap Lake. So, I mean, personally, I got, got into fishing, just fishing coarse fish, you know, as a youngster. And, uh, and, and you know, that's what got me into fishing, really, is, is fishing the coarse fish. And, and again, you know, like, just being surrounded by, by people that are fishermen, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty lucky to get to go to some pretty cool spots. So you started on, like, uh, on, uh, Squawfish or northern pike minnow, I guess they call them now. And uh... yeah, I guess we call them northern pike minnow now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know. And that's you know what we we spent hours and hours and hours on on the end of our our family dock and right. you know fishing and and um, yeah, it just progressed from there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I can remember we'd go up to the Highway 24 when we'd rent cabins when I was little. And I'd do the same thing off the dock. They had squawfish under there. Little yeah. and a piece of hot dog. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. And a dough ball. I mean, I have a six-year-old son now, and it's the same thing. I mean, that's that's what he loves to do, right? He go, We go to the cabin, and he likes to fish, so it's pretty cool to watch him, you know, my own son, doing what I did as a, as a young kid, right? And, uh, and yeah, so... Um, He's already progressing pretty fast for a little guy. Um, you know, he likes catching rainbow trout now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right, and so you you work at Westside and you work um, at Bucktail Ventures, right? Yeah. So Bucktail. So Westside. I've been at Westside Stores for about eleven years. Um, I literally was sick of sick of working in a shop and decided to try and make fishing a job. Um, you know, everybody in my family kind of thought I was crazy. 
going to work at a fishing store, you know. Uh, but yeah, so I've been there, and and um, the guiding part, we uh, about eight years ago, I was actually approached by a friend, um, and it started. We built a company called Blind Bay Adventures, yeah. which was a company that I guided with for about eight years. This year. Bucktail Adventures is starting up, so that's a new venture, and then that'll be through Westside Store. So, pretty excited about that. Was was that always your goal, Todd? Was to work at Westside and then be a guide on top of that? Um, you know what? It was. I'm not going to say that it was always my goal because it, it was. It was obviously fishing is my passion, right? That's. I mean, there's no question about that. That's what I. That's what I do in my spare time, but. But there came a point in my life where I just wasn't happy with with working a you know a plain old job and working in a shop and and I just decided that hey you know let's do this let's let's try and go fishing for a living right and and it's worked out pretty damn good so far. Right, um, I've been kind of known you for big time for your knowledge on the shoe shop and and you're kind of the yeah. guy that I come in to talk to early season. Um, yeah. So maybe just for people that don't really know the shoe shop, what kind of fish can maybe run them through a season, what kind of fish they can expect to catch out there um, if they're out there with with you guys? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because we just had a discussion the other day um, about, uh, you know, with some of the guys in the store about who who's who has actually caught every single species of fish that lives in the Shushwap Lake. Right. So obviously, you know, you have your, your rainbow, you have your lake trout, you have your bull trout, you know, and then there's a few other species in there that, that a lot of people, I mean, unfortunately we can't target because we can't use bait in there. There's ling cod, you know, there's actually a species of fish called a peamouth chub, which was one that I brought out the other day and, and joked with the guys. I said, I bet you never caught a peamouth chub, you know. So, i never even heard of that. What is it? Uh, it's kind of, you can Google it. It kind of looks like it's, it's kind of in between a, a pike minnow and a, and a whitefish. Um, you, you know, so it's not something that a lot of people would even know that they've probably caught, but it is, it's a species that's in the lake, right? So, but of course, of course your target species are going to be the three that, that I mentioned there, the, the rainbow, the uh, lake trout and the bull trout. What's the, what's the biggest lake that you've pulled out of there? Well... So funny story on that one. Um, guiding a few years ago, and the, the client has actually turned out to be a pretty good friend of mine. His name is Brandon, and we were fishing out um, Blind Bay, and we hooked into a monster lake trout. And when the thing came up, it literally looked like a grouper, like a big grouper you'd see in in the ocean, right? So this thing, we got it up. And in our guide boat, we, we, we use a big salmon net so the kids can kind of see the fish and we don't really have to take them out of the water. So I got this lake trout in the net and somehow it managed to slither its way back out of the net. So I had my client back up in the boat, right? And he says, he goes, I, I knew this fish was big because you were freaking out. So unfortunately, we went to try and net it for a second time. And of course, I hit it right square. We were using an apex and I hit it right square in the mouth in that apex, slow motion, through the air, fish swam away. Um, so that's not a story of a fish being caught, but that fish was all, he was all 20 pounds for sure. So the biggest laker that I've actually landed is probably, I, I mean, not weighed, but I would say in the 15-pound class. But, of course, you know, that 
that uh, unfortunate moment was that big, huge one. I was uh, lucky I had a good client that day. <laughs> um, you sort of you touched on it earlier, Todd. Um, but how did you get into guiding? Um, did you just start right away, or did you have to go to some sort of a school? How did you first get into it? Well, guide. Well, to get into guiding, I mean, obviously. Um, in my situation, I was pretty lucky. I was actually approached and said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" But after you make that decision that you want to want to guide, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just it's not just jumping in the boat and taking people out fishing. Um, obviously, there's um, a test you have to pass. You know, um, a lot of stuff on that test that <laughs> that, a, that, a, that a small town trout fisherman, you know. I had to do a little bit of studying for that one. Is there any math involved? No, no math, which is good because I'm horrible at math. Yeah. yeah, no, bad at math and I'm good at weighing fish. And that's <laughs> yeah. when, it, when it comes to addition and, well, hey, I can add. Not, but, <laughs> right? but, but no, no, it, it's, it's mostly, you know, um, there's a lot of safety stuff involved and, and um, you know, yeah. um, species identification and things like that. I mean, and after you're done that, I mean, now you've got to think about insurance. You've got to think about boats and gas. There's, there's a lot of stuff that goes, uh, that goes into it, right? So, what once you got into guiding, how did you first start marketing your business? Well, that is actually something that has grown um, from a small website that uh, that was built by my partner. And this was the Blind Bay Adventures. And, um, so, you know, we built a small little website and, and of course, word of mouth was huge, um, and repeat customers to Bucktail Adventures now having a, a full on website, which you can basically build a trip. So we've partnered with different companies, uh, like the Salmon Arm Water Slides, uh, multiple different golf courses. Um, so you can actually build a half day fishing trip and, and go to the water slides if mom wants to right after. Um, I saw that on there, Todd. That was really cool. It's a, it's a, it's a little different now, right? Than, than the old company we worked for, as awesome as that was. Um, again, word of mouth is huge. You know, reputation. You know, people they come in, they've heard about you, and and you know they want to go out fishing with you. And um, advertising. I mean, that's what it's all about. You got to do quite a few trips to pay for the boat and pay for the gas and. You know, to pay for a pretty nice boat that you guys have. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, a brand new Kingfisher, um, you know, just shy of 27 feet, um, onboard bathroom. I mean, it's got every bell and whistle as far as electronics that you could ever, ever imagine. You know, of course, I'm a 99% of the time fly fisherman. to what I like to do. Um, but in the shoe swap, you know, when, when August rolls around and it's hot, Unfortunately, you've got to throw those downriggers down to get into the fish, right? So, so it's got all the downriggers and all that great stuff that uh, that are going to get people into fish. I've heard you talking in the shop before, Todd, about um, doing some fly tying courses. Yeah. Um, do you do yep. that every year, and do you do any of them online, or do you just do them in the store there? Uh, again, you know, fly tying courses, um, and this goes for for a lot of fly clubs as well. Um, and I'm going to kind of put them together. A lot of stuff, and we found out this year, we do offer a fly tying course, and we usually do it in the new year. Um, unfortunately, with online, 
things. You know, a lot of people will just, hey, if you want to learn how to tie a Spratly, you're just going to go look on YouTube, right? And you can tie a Spratly. So things have changed. Um, fly clubs, um, membership in fly clubs, and actually fish and game clubs in general are down. Um, there's a lot of a lot of clubs. I mean, us guys, we, we talk online, right? We share our pictures online. We talk online. So, you know, where we used to have, uh, we used to have 20 students uh, this year. Unfortunately, we did, we canceled our, our fly tying course because we couldn't build enough interest um, to get a full class, which is kind of unfortunate. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's just the way it is in, in the world we live right now. Well, I know the the high school, yeah, the high school clubs it has has shut down too, and that me me and Brent don't live in Salmon Arm because that was kind of something that we've always talked about, maybe getting going again. But um, that was a- that's a yeah, it's it's a tough thing, and you know, I it's super cool. Like in the school, you know, like when you guys, I, I believe you did the, the fly tying course. You're part of all that up there, or the fly fishing course. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, um, getting the youth into fishing, that's, you know, as, as passionate as I am about fishing, getting youth and kids into fishing for me is almost surpassed my passion for fishing, if that makes sense. Right. Um, you know, I worked darn hard to get, so you're not allowed to use any bait on the shoe swap. One of the things that I worked very, very hard on personally was, was opening up the Salmon Arm Pier to kids, urban kids specifically, so kids in town, um, they opened it up to bait. So kids can now go down there and fish like I did when I was a kid with a dough ball or a a chunk of hot dog, right? So that's, that's something that's kind of cool. And, and that's something I'm super passionate about is, is getting youth out. Um, it's just, yeah, with the internet and the way things are now, I think that's, uh, that's the way we're going, right? Yeah, so so how do you envision, I guess, um, how to get youth more involved in fishing? Because from the sounds of it anyways, the flashing clubs in the schools and um, doing those in person and just like you said, the fishing game club, those courses are dying down a little bit. So do you have any thoughts or ideas on how to get youth more involved in fishing? Well, I mean, personally, I mean, it's, you know, um, it's all... <laughs> You know, a quick quick story again, and I'm kind of, I, I hate to veer off in different directions, but um, I have a six-year-old son, and um, we went out this year, right? He t- actually tied up his own fly, and he called it, I told him he could pick his own colors. Oh, I saw so I, I believe. I saw you post this photo, actually, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. So he picked uh, white and, of course, black. Then he decided he was going to put some purple and some chartreuse. And he asked me, Dad, can we can we put an orange head on there? And and I said, Sure, I guess, whatever. So he's a big superhero fan, right? So he calls his his fly the Joker. Um, so we proceeded to go out fishing, and I had my my olive one that I always do so well on, and I was getting skunked at the time. And he says, Dad, can I put on the Joker? So he throws on the Joker fly, and you guys probably know where this is going. Five minutes later, boom, we got like a six pound rainbow in the boat, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so to get back on how to get kids into fishing, um, for me, it's it's just doing things like that. It's it's getting as hard as it is. It's sometimes it's just getting those kids out and catching a fish. And it doesn't matter if it's a pike minnow, and it doesn't matter if it's a rainbow. It doesn't matter what. Um, it's about getting them out and, and getting them involved. 
um, that becomes a little difficult because, you know, you can't take every kid out fishing, right? But, um, but that, you know, it comes back to, unfortunately, I think that the schools, um, we kind of talked how that died out, but man, is, is that ever cool when the schools put on those programs, right? And kids are able to come through, go out to White Lake, catch a fish, and then they're hooked. You know, I mean, hey, you know, they're in the store every week after that, you know, wanting to go fishing. So, um, that's how I see yeah. a big progression through when we were in the fly tying club and like, like Steve Coster and all those guys who were a year younger and they kind of came in and we started fly fishing all together and, and now it's, that's how, like, we don't see each other that much, but when we do, we're going fishing together or something. It's just awesome. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, uh, there's some things I would like to see and, you know, just throwing ideas out and about, but there's some things I would like to see again through the schools. I, I think, you know, having, maybe not having a specific, uh, a fishing course, but more of an outdoor course. Okay. So you come in through that course, you, you get your, maybe your hunting license. Maybe you get your fishing license. Um, you don't have to use all that stuff, but you get it. Right. And, and maybe that course counts for credits. Um, you know, and I just, I think that doing something like that through the schools, um, you know, that would just be, that would be the coolest thing. And, and it's, uh, but unfortunately it's tough to do, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of work and, and volunteers and, and stuff that goes into that. Right. So. For sure. For sure. Um, <clears throat> we'll jump into, now we go into kind of the bucktails and that, um, yeah, sure. We'll get right into her. And what what do you think the best time of years or best time of year for bucktails and and kind of like the depths that you're running them at? Like, I obviously I think spring is is the best. Yeah. But maybe elaborate more on that. Yeah. Well, Shushwap Lake. So we'll just take this as we'll take Shushwap Lake and 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 kind of talk about that as a as a key area. Yeah. Um, so Shushwap Lake first off revolves completely around the salmon run. So we have one of the biggest returns of sockeye um, that come back, and you're going to know how good this fishery is, is, is the Adams River, right? Um, so those sockeye come back, and they spawn in the Adams River. Um, they spawn in the um, Shushwap River. They spawn in the um, Eagle River, as well as Anesty River, and quite a few other small tributaries around the, around the lake. So... Scott Creek, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's somebody's going to listen and say, "Hey, what about this one?" But oh, yeah. there's a number of tributaries, and and they spawn short as well. So, um, so anyways, you know, in the spring, um, those fry are going to hatch off, and this year being the big year in the Shushwap, um, you know, there's just so many fry out there. Fish come from all over the place, man. This is like the big bonanza of food for, for the trout in the Shushwap Lake. Um, so in the early spring, and I mean, we start fishing in February, we, we start pulling small muddlers and uh, bucktail patterns. And um, it can be just off the charts good. This year was this year was incredible. I've never seen as, as many big fish. Um, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to plug Miles Johnson too much, but I've never seen seen too as many big fish this year as uh, as I have um, this year as I have in a long time. So yeah, pretty unbelievable. Big, big him and Ben Shaw, they were pulling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they. I mean, 
It's funny, um, again, you know, all these little stories, but I'll be laying on the couch at 8 o'clock at night, and I'm 38 years old now, and, you know, I've got a lot of younger friends, you know, in their early 20s, and I'll be laying there watching TV, and I'll get a text from Miles, and here's this beautiful 10-pound rainbow, right? And I always remind him, I mean, I remember the days when I didn't have priorities, and I could be out there till 8 o'clock fishing, too, right? And so, so yeah, it's... uh, it's pretty awesome, though, and and hey, just I mean, those are those are prime examples of young guys that have gotten into fishing and 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 uh, taking it to the next level. But but yeah, the bucktails, man. Um, number of bucktails we use out there. Uh, Tequila Sunrise. Um, I've got a little company I call Shuswap Bucktail. I tie an unbelievable amount of bucktails every year. We're talking thousands. And about that, and you were saying, "Man, I can't keep up with the demand." Yeah, no. Miles has helped me out a little bit. It's crazy. I mean, we we've got the one called the Tequila Sunrise, and I actually finally got it tattooed on my arm. That's how much I love that fly. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I mean, it's just I see orange in my sleep because orange is has become one of the hottest colors on the shoe swap as far as bucktails go. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a number of other ones. You know, obviously the black and black and pearl. Um, you know, um, that, that any color. Using a, a blue too. Yeah, right I I just did some blues for a guy the other day. Um, you know, any of the olive colors are going to work great, just because they imitate um, your sockeye fry so good. Generally, your lighter olives and whatnot will imitate the sockeye, whereas your darker colors like blue or um, black, those sorts of things, will imitate the um, the chinook a little bit better, right? So. Um, fantastic bucktailing on the shoe swap in the spring, um, and there's a number of bucktails you can use to to get into them. So if you take, let's say, a guy like me, for example, Kamloops fly fisherman, never fished shoe swap lake, and I show yeah. up to the store, get a couple of sweet bucktails that you say are going to do great, and what kind of environment am I, am I going to be looking for on shoe swap? Where am I going to get into some decent fishing? You don't have to say your best fishing spots, but... No, I have, hey, I have no, I have one secret. I always joke in the store, I, I, I have one secret, and that's the only, that's, you know, one. So there's a few things, like really, bucktailing on the shoe swap is really quite easy. Um, there's a few key things that people have to do when you're fishing out there. Um, and the number one most important thing to me is not the bucktail that you're using on the line, it's the line you're using. All right, so we use a type 6 sink line. Um, so that's going to get you down, you know, 20 feet, let's say, um, you know, so that's your number one thing. Get, make sure you've got that line. And, um, there's a number of different price points you can get into. You can, you can get into them anywhere from $50 and, and up to your premium lines that are over a hundred. That's the number one thing. I think that's number people, two. People might have, uh, trouble with that is, is yeah, because, they think, oh, I just need a sinking line, but they don't actually yeah. look at the, the feet per second or anything like that. And, and yeah, that's a good tip for if you're just getting into it. You're 100% right. I mean, people come in all the time like, oh, no, Salt, I got a sink line. And then you'll see them later on the lake. And, I mean, you don't want to sound conceited or you don't want to sound like one of those stuck-up fishermen. But, you know, you get back to the boat launch and it's like, well, I got 13 and these guys have gotten two. Yeah. And a big part of that is that fly line, right? They didn't buy the fly line. Yeah. So number one most important thing is fly line. Number two is going to be your speed. Um, early season, you want to keep that speed down. Um, you know, we'll troll a mile an hour 
um, you know, right right now our speed is bumped up quite a bit. We're trolling even three miles an hour. So right. classic bucktailing, you would think you'd be going quite fast. No, we go quite slow. Do you, do you, um, do you find, Todd, uh, like I thought when we were going slower, uh, we picked up a lot more like big northern pike minnows um, versus when yeah. we bumped up the speed of it and we'd get only rainbows after that. Depends on the time of, you know, I mean, we're talking a three-month stretch here, right? Yeah. So in February, March, you want to keep that speed down. But you're you're exactly right. Right now, we've picked our speed up and we're going, you know, three mile an hour, let's say. And part of that is, is the fish become a little bit more aggressive. But you're right. We're trying to stay away from those coarse fish and we're trying to keep in, the, you know, keep on those rainbows. And, and, and you know, um, pike minnow are lazy. All fish are lazy for that matter, but pike minnow are extra lazy. They, they're big, they're fat, they just like to lay there, and if something runs in front of their face, they grab it. So you're dead on. Bump that speed up, and you'll keep you'll keep out of those, you know, keep away from those coarse fish a bit. Um, the third most important thing to me, again, is now your fly, right? So so choosing your choosing your bucktail. Um, this year was so fantastic. Um, I was literally tying flies. I wouldn't even pick a color. I would, I'd reach into my bag of bucktails. I would pull one out and I would tie it. So I might go into the store the next day with red bucktails and people would go out with red bucktails and, and they'd work. It was so good this year. It did not matter what color you were pulling. Um, they were hitting it. So, um, yeah. So again, you know, that's kind of my third most important thing, obviously is color. Um, some years it's a little more important this year. Didn't matter what you were putting on there. They were eating it. So, so you got line, speed, and color. And if I got those things, th- those things down pat, I can basically just put in at the Canoe Beach boat launch and power down the lake, and I'll at least get into a couple of fish. Yeah, I mean the the three things, right? So you got to remember the line, right? Your speed, and then your your bucktail. Um, this one other quick thing that I always tell people to do is, and again, it's a very important thing. You know, stick close to shore. Um, you don't want to be fishing out in 100 feet of water, right? We're fishing in, let's say, 30 feet of water. Um, those fry tend to hug along the shorelines. So the big fish will come out of the deep water, and they will come into the shallow water to hunt. And, um, you know, you're fishing 100 feet of water, you're kind of fishing a needle in a haystack at that point, right? Yeah. Let's fish in 30 feet of water with your sink line, get your speed right, throw on, you know, one of, say, our five favorite bucktails, you're going to get fish. Hmm. I, guess, so. I guess most guys um, who fish the shoe swap, they would have fish finders or depth finders. But um, is yep. that, that 30 feet, um, is that going to be pretty consistent throughout the lake um, with being kind of the same distance offshore, or does it vary the further you go down? Well, it varies. I mean, there's different there's different structure all over the place, right? I mean... When you fish it as much as I have, you kind of learn the spots, right? And and to be honest, um, I was just a little bit lazy this year, and me and my brother, we fished out of our tinner quite a bit, and I wouldn't even bring the fish finder. We would just go out and fish. But I found we but it, for the, uh, the bait balls quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, searching bait balls, right? And then, again, even... Even your uh, even your depth, right? I mean, it's uh, it's nice just to be able to look at the fish finder and say, oh, yeah, no, I'm in 40 feet of water. That's perfect. 
you know, 30, 40 feet of water. That's perfect. That's where I want to be. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Um, so with, uh, with your guiding business, um, what would you say is your biggest struggle? Um, I'm sure it's not really the fishing aspect because no, it is a hundred percent. It a hundred percent is man. I mean, I can't, there's, there's few things I can compare to, to the pressure of, of guiding sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, me talking, that's basically what I do for a living. I mean, I sit in the store and I talk all day about fishing. But when you actually get clients out in the boat and they've paid me $100, or sorry, $800 to take them out for a day and and you don't get fish, say you're hour, say you're hour four yeah. into a six-hour trip and we still don't have a fish, far none, that's, that's the most pressure. I mean, I... I'm changing lures, I'm working, I'm doing everything I possibly can, right? Just, uh, you know, you can only talk about uh, Copper Island or, or, or uh, Mount Ida so much, right, before you got to get a fish, so. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so, so you guys don't have much of a problem finding new clients and um, marketing yourselves, I guess? It's just the, just the daily pressure of fishing. Yeah, I mean, so as this, as this new business transitions in, kind of, um, and it is completely separate and, and completely new from the old business. Um, as this new business, um, Bucktail Adventures grows, um, in my experience with guiding and, and putting together a company like this, every year is going to be a little bit better, right? Um, as far as getting clients on, bringing people on board. Um, and, and that is, again, back to word of mouth. Um, we're pretty lucky we're working out of a tackle shop. You know, so if somebody wants a guide, where do they go? They go to the tackle shop and ask about it, right? So we're pretty lucky there. But yeah, I mean, it it, it takes a bit for that business to to grow. Um, you know, when I look at it, and we and we, I said I wasn't good at math, which I'm not. But when we crunch the numbers, or the or the girls crunch the numbers, <laughs> um, you know, we got we got to try and do 30 trips a year minimum. Wow. So we're gonna make it happen. All right, to. Uh Wrap her up, uh, Todd. We kind of like we wanted you to give us. We kind of like to do a real tale at the end. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it sounds like you got some awesome stories. So, why don't you give us a story that kind of was a bit of an adventure or with some humor mixed in, and maybe you caught fish, maybe you didn't. <laughs> so, is this is this a sober trip or a non-sober trip? It can be whatever well, you want. We, <laughs> it can be whatever. Yeah. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We do like to have a few beers when we go fishing, though. I think it's hand in hand with fishing. But, anyways, um, yeah, you know, I have I have one that sticks in, in in particular in my head, and one of the reasons is is because it's one of the most beautiful fish that I've ever caught on the shoe swap, and one of the biggest fish I've ever actually weighed on the shoe swap. We went out, uh, me and a friend of mine, Chris Hanna, went out, and we left from my cabin, which is down in Tappan, and we headed up lake. It was a rainy, disgusting day. Um, you know, rain jackets on, already soaked. Um, we got into Harold's Park and, uh, which is, which is down the top and end of, or the salmon arm end of the lake. So we got into Harold's Park, which is a really popular place to fish. Um, I hooked into a fish and I'm reeling it up. And, and again, I, I kind of thought it was a pike minnow or a coarse fish at, at the time. But, you know, grumpy, yucky day out there. And, and so I got this fish up kind of, and I still hadn't seen it, got it up kind of close to the boat. 
and it proceeded to all of a sudden I knew I, this is no this is no pike minnow. It screamed way 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 out, you know. And I'm watching my reel. You know, I think we've all probably been there at some point, be it salmon fishing or whatever. Yeah. I'm watching my reel, and it's and fly line's gone. Now I'm going down into the down into the backing, and it's still going. <laughs> and again, remember, I thought this was a coarse fish to begin with. <laughs> so we ended up we ended up chasing this thing, and uh, it's become kind of one of the pictures at the store that I flash off. The fish ended up being about ten five was wow. was on the digital scale, <laughs> but. But we netted it. Um, it just the fact that that thing, then, you know, I had it right beside the boat. Yeah. I didn't really see it, and then it just proceeded to go well, out to the middle. Way, hey? Yeah. So it, you know, that story of all of all stories. I mean, there's been crazier ones. You know, dropping rods into the into the lake, or <laughs> or fish tugging the rod out of the boat, and things like that. But but when I when I think about some of the most beautiful fish I've caught, right. and and some of the biggest craziest real screaming fish um that one definitely takes the, the cake on that nasty rainy day <laughs> so oh, that's awesome. so yeah awesome well th- thanks a lot for taking the time and coming on our podcast todd we really appreciate it yeah no i it's uh it's great to do this kind of stuff man you guys are promoting fishing and that's what it's all about getting out there and having fun yeah absolutely um and if you would uh you can just take this time i guess to plug um whatever you'd like to at the end and we can put a couple of links in our podcast notes um for yep. your website well you bet you i mean obviously shoe swap bucktail is my little fly tying thing so um those can either be bought on ebay or they can be bought through the west side store's website um yeah it's uh it's a crazy business that one and sometimes people have to put in orders and wait a little bit to get the flies but but you're going to get a fly that's going to catch you fish um, on the shoe swap. Um, West Side Stores, obviously your number one tackle shop in, in Salmon Arm. Um, you know, everything from hunting, fishing, camping, you name it. Um, I mean, we've got all the experts in there, right, to, to get you into fish or to get you into game or just to go out for a good weekend of camping. And then hopefully, um, obviously, Bucktail Adventures is the is the new one. Um Jason Bellows, the owner of, of Westside Stores and the owner of, of Bucktail Adventures, has put together um, something pretty cool that I think is, is really going to grow into something that's not only for fishermen but for families, right? Like I said, the mom, the mom can come out. We have a bathroom on the boat, finally. <laughs> um, you know, you know, you, you, we, we can do the water slides thing. We can do all that. So, so I think that's um, the third one that I'm involved in, and, and that's going to grow into being something that's uh, being something that's really cool for for us and the, and the town of Salmon Arm. Awesome. Well, th- thanks again, Todd, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing you the next time we're in Salmon Arm when we pop into Westside there. All right, boys, stop in. All right, thanks, we'll, Todd. We'll do. Thanks, it. Todd. Okay, guys, have a good one. Bye-bye.